Robbins. Welcome to Verity. I'm your host, Felicia Masonheimer, an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. This podcast will help you embrace the history and depth of the Christian faith, ask questions, seek answers, and devote yourself to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't have to settle for watered-down Christian teaching. And if you're ready to go deeper, God is just as ready to take you there. This is Verity, where every woman is a theologian. Welcome back to Verity Podcast, friends. This is Felicia Masonheimer. I'm the host of Verity, and we are in episode 11 of the Honest Marriage series. Almost done. Only one episode left. My husband, Josh, is here with me. Hey, guys. And we are talking today about leisure activities and cultivating common interests. Have we ever had a problem with that? No, never. (laughs) We don't struggle with common interests. (laughs) If you've listened to the whole series, you might remember that in our premarital counseling, our counselor pointed out that the area where we had the greatest difference, the least commonality was in our leisure activities and things that we did together from music that we both like to hobbies, to sports, any and all of it. There was actually nothing that we really had in common. In fact, I'm trying to think back and can you think of anything that we genuinely both enjoyed at that point? Skiing, but we didn't really do any of that when we were in our early stage of marriage. That's true. So skiing, we had a, yeah. yeah. And we went to movies, I guess, but Mm. we didn't like the same movies. Mm. So (laughs) I let you go to Lincoln with your friend. Lincoln? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, all that to say, we did not share a lot of the same interests. I am more of a reader. I love history. I love, you know, going to historical sites. And Josh, what kinds of things do you like? Uh, I'm a little more of a nerd, so I like technology and pool and bowling and... Games. Yeah, I play video games and stuff like that. So it's not really the same alley. Yeah, definitely pretty different in terms of what we enjoy. And I think this may bring up to some people like, well, why were you guys dating if you weren't interested in the same things? Because I think a lot of people genuinely believe that you have to have like common interests in order to even like hit it off in dating. Yeah. And I mean, I want you to answer this too, but I know that for me, our, we, we were friends first. Mm-hmm. For the first time, I dated someone who I was a friend with first. Most of the time, I dated people to get to know them, which sometimes works, but it didn't work for me. And for us, we were friends first. And so we just had like a connection over life in general, I think, and like the problems that we face in life. And you were very supportive and helpful to me in navigating those problems. So we became friends that way not connecting around a common interest. Why do you Mm. think we connected? Yeah, I think that, like, for me, there was some intrigue in your willfulness. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to say Because I previously, like, my previous relationship was very, a very subdued one. And so, you know, you brought some energy to the table that, 
I was like, oh, like she's feisty. Like if <laughs> if not just as a friend, like you're kind of fun and like what interested me the most was like your core values and your eagerness to grow in Christ and develop your relationship with God. So that I think was like definitely alluring because I was kind of done with immature friends and girlfriends and right that makes sense that at that point in your life you had recommitted your life to Christ or you'd come to Christ I should say so you were looking to grow and that's when you know we were becoming friends so um, we have a verse that we think really applies to this conversation it's Philippians 2 3 through 4 will you read it Josh yeah do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Which I think sums this up. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you can't be selfish and look to do something as a team. Right. Exactly. So I know that when we were growing and cultivating common interests... This was the issue that kept coming up, selfishness versus selflessness, because if you're only interested in what you're interested in, you're not looking to the interests of others, specifically your spouse. And particularly in my case, I was the one that was super stubborn about taking an interest in Josh's hobbies because I felt like his hobbies weren't as worthy of my time. And I also didn't like how they made me feel. So for instance, bowling, I don't really enjoy, but I really didn't enjoy it when I was younger because I was struggling so much with pride. And bowling is, if you're bad at it, repeated public failure. (laughs) You're literally walking up in front of all of your friends. And in my case, being really sucky at the game and then having to go walk the walk of shame back and sit down. And so for me, bowling was just like the worst experience. It was just like shame, shame, shame. I think people who are bad at it just like begin to just do like silly dances and stuff on their way back to try and get over the embarrassment. (laughs) I don't do that. So I was just like, this is the absolute worst. And And I had some like preconceived notions and prideful ideas in general. And so I think that it all kind of, I was like, no, I'm not going, I will not go. And you can go find someone else to do it with. So what ended up happening is we, in our early marriage, in our like really difficult years from probably year two to year four, we literally had completely separate hobbies, Mm -hmm. I would say. If we were going to do something for fun, we did it. I did it with my girlfriends or he did it with guy friends or by himself. We didn't really do anything together. Yeah. Like I played hockey as a hobby and later on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like we would just, you know, spend time with those individual friends that kind of catered to those interests. Yeah. Because at that point it was like, well, I know that you don't enjoy this, so I don't want to make you come with me to do this. 
was kind of where we were at. Like, I know Josh doesn't enjoy visiting a museum, so I'm not going to make him visit it. I'm just going to go by myself or invite someone else. And he wouldn't ask me to do things because he knew I really didn't enjoy doing them. Mm-hmm. So but early on, though, when we were dating and like the first year of marriage, I went to a lot of museums. You did. Yes, <laughs> you did. You definitely. That was the pursuit stage. <laughs> but that brings up a good point that like, you don't want that pursuit, that willingness to engage with your spouse's interests. You don't want that to go away. Yeah. And I think we discussed previously some of the burnout there right. where like I planned dates that I knew you would like. And then, you know, like sometime during the first year of marriage got to the point where I'm like, well, I'll let her do something this time. <laughs> and right. so it kind of fizzled out. Right. Which you acknowledged it wasn't right of you to be like, I'm done. I'm not going to do my part anymore. But it also wasn't right for me to never make an effort either in pursuing or in setting up a date or expressing interest in what you liked. Mm. Like, let's go bowling. It's not going to kill you, <laughs> you know, or whatever it would be that you were interested in. So what, what do you think about if there's an interest you have that like your spouse really just has no interest in, like they don't like it. Like if I were to say, Josh, guess what? There's this new historical site or this new, you know, fancy cathedral. I don't know. I'm making this up. We should go see it. And you're really, really not into it. How do we now navigate that versus maybe back when we were younger? I think there's something to be said for like taking turns where you're like, yeah, like, no, I don't really enjoy this, but I'll go to be with her and support her. And hopefully the hope is that there is like some, you know, reciprocation. But I mean, that's not always guaranteed. So that can't be the reason that you do it but you don't have to do things alone like your spouse can support you in that and take interest and and it can be a mutual thing right now this would also apply then to wives and over the course of our marriage josh and i have had some difficulty on the subject of video games because josh enjoys video games i don't play them And because of that, there have been times when I've been very negative about that hobby because it's not something that I grew up with or something that I grew up being exposed to or seen in a positive light. So because of that, I think, and I've heard from other wives that this can be a recurring problem where they're just really annoyed that their husband has this interest in this particular thing. But clearly... Video games in and of themselves are not wrong, of course, depending on the type of game you're playing, I suppose, but they're not entirely wrong. So how can a wife say, like, be more maybe balanced or understanding in her husband's interest in something like a video game that she might not think is as, like, worthy of a leisure activity? I think that there's kind of, like, and a fear in maybe women in general or people who don't like video games that their spouse 
if they show any like if they condone the activity or even show interest in it then the spouse is going to make them do it every day (laughs) or something you know where like it's like oh i can't act like i like this or else he's going to want me to like play with him all the time and so i think that like preconception is like not necessarily healthy i think the spouse has to be in a healthy place to kind of have a thumb on the pulse where they're like oh like i know she doesn't like it but she's supporting me so i'm not gonna like go overboard and make her play it all the time but it's sweet of her to show support what if you're like what if she's not playing it with you what if she's just you know you're playing it as your fun time and she's around yeah I think you touched on the fear thing. I think a lot of women are afraid, maybe with good reason, that their husband is going to spend all of his time on video games or whatever, gaming of some kind. If he feels like he's allowed to. Yeah, like... (laughs) Like if it's condoned. Yeah, if it's condoned. And I mean, you could say the same thing. Let's say for some women it's online shopping or, I don't know, you know, some sort of game or Instagram on her phone. That her leisure activity is like playing on her phone in some way. I think either social spouse, media is a big one. Yeah, social media. So maybe we set social media and video games on the same level as a which leisure I don't activity. think a lot of people do. I like don't people who are into social media will look down upon video games. Yeah, probably. When they are very equivalent, they are very equivalent because they're both, I think, a little bit addictive and kind of a black hole. One though feels more productive because you can you can gain followers on social media or you can market on social media. So you can tell yourself, oh, I'm doing something productive on social media when in reality the end result can really be the same thing. Someone who's present in body, but they're not present in spirit (laughs) (laughs) to quote the Bible, you know? So like, what would you say for a wife who's like, my husband, his leisure activity is video games. I hate it. How can I I communicate about this? I think as long as, like, the husband is still showing growth in his life, like, he's, you know, still having devotions and still, like, teachable and willing to grow, like, there's nothing wrong with him deciding what his leisure activity is as long as that activity is done in moderation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's not, like, ignoring the kids or the wife or anything like that um but you know i think it's it's healthy to schedule a time where it's like okay this is your time to have like your leisure activity mm-hmm. and like if you choose to do video games then that's what you choose to do you're a big boy you can do that <laughs> no. i think that is a good point and that's kind of where i think we had to go because You know, I think if you grew up in a home where video games aren't a thing or they're really spoken poorly of, it can be a really difficult mental adjustment to be married to someone who does play them and to not see them in a negative light or to see like, okay, like this isn't the end of the world and look for the positive ways that your spouse is showing up in other areas of your life. Like, I mean, any leisure activity can be obsessive. We just are more okay with certain ones than others because, like, it looks cooler if you're obsessed with hiking and 
biking than it does if you are, you know, obsessed with video games. Neither obsession is healthy, though. Mm. And so your leisure activities should be, you know, falling second to the quality of your relationship, which is your point, I think. Yeah. Many of you know that my son Ivan was born towards the end of the year 2020. And so without question, all of us as a world were struggling with anxiety. And on top of that, I struggled with postpartum anxiety at the end of 2020. And during that time, I found the Abide app. As I was trying to fall asleep at night and struggling with intrusive thoughts and anxiety, the Abide app was actually the thing that I reached for guided meditations completely based on scripture. Abide is the number one Christian meditation app, and Abide users report less stress, lower levels of anxiety and depression, and better sleep. For a limited time, our listeners will get 25% off a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash verity. Abide's meditations start at only two minutes long, so they're super easy to fit into your schedule. I use them at bedtime, but I also listen to them in the car and sometimes while I was cooking dinner or in between my work tasks. You can also use Abide's bedtime stories, which are all based on scripture, and they work for kids and adults alike. You can get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by downloading the Abide app at abide.co slash verity. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. Support this show and get 25% off by going to abide.co slash verity, and that's A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash verity for your 25% off a premium subscription. I guess it goes back to Philippians 2. Right. And putting, thinking of others more than yourself. So the person, whatever leisure activity you're engaging in, whether it's social media or something outside the house or video game, are you putting your spouse first? Yeah. Ultimately. And I'll tell you that, like, I can speak from experience that, you know, if you're looked down upon in regard to, like, doing what you like, not just video games, but, like, doing what you enjoy with your own time if you're being judged for it, even though it's not inherently evil, then you're not going to have a positive attitude toward what your spouse actually enjoys doing. Right. So, con- so condescension not- <clears throat> and contempt aren't motivators. Surprise, right. surprise. <laughs> so, you're not going to gung-ho to go out to a cathedral. <laughs> I love that this cathedral, this hypothetical cathedral is like interest. Yes. <laughs> Not really. But okay. So we've kind of talked a little bit about that. I think that was hopefully helpful for people who are in that situation. And I would add one caveat. A lot of times when there's a video game issue, it's not a video game issue. There's a lot of underlying resentment about division of labor in the home, which we talked about, I think, in the parenting episode. There's underlying issues of communication, connection, spiritual life. Yeah. Moderation. And so much of this comes back to your growth in your spiritual life, because like as a wife, if you're sitting there and you're like, my husband hasn't touched his Bible in X number of days. And here he is making time for video games. That is really hard to respect, but that means that there needs to be a conversation about it. And if you can't have the conversation in a healthy way, then you probably need to be in counseling and have a mediator. That said, 
how have we, like, what have we done to cultivate actual common interests? Because I think we, we actually do have common interests now outside of our children, which has been our biggest common interest. <laughs> yeah. I think we do enjoy, like, at least talking about working out. <laughs> um, we do work out semi-regularly. <laughs> and then we do enjoy skiing. And mm-hmm. also, like, we enjoy having couples over for dinner or yeah. dessert or, you know, going over someone's house and playing board games or something. Yeah, we'll play games together. Um, Certain ga- We found games that work for us hmm. to play. And that's kind of a personality thing. I think you're much more patient and you follow the rules. I literally hate the book of instructions that comes with games. Like if I see... <laughs> that's the first thing that goes in the trash. Oh my gosh. If the book of instructions <laughs> comes out of a game, a board game, and it's like a packet, I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm gone. Sorry. Bye. I don't <laughs> want to play this game. <laughs> this looks like I have to spend an hour learning the rules and I hate... <laughs> learning rules. So that's not fun, but I'm trying to train myself to be better. I do better if you can explain the rules Mm. to me without reading the rules to me. But a game like Risk, if it's, if you spend like half the game setting up the game. Oh no, absolutely not. I would be like, everything in me revolts. (laughs) I'm learning patience. So games we do, what we've really found, I think is It's not even that we have like, oh, wow, we both really love this thing. It's that we've found a way to do things that works with our personalities. So, for instance, we actually do enjoy shopping together if Josh has an actual list, right? Mm -hmm. You have to know what you're looking for Yeah. to enjoy shopping. Yeah. I mean, growing up. My mom is a wonderful woman. And when we would go to Sam's Club, we would go up and down every single aisle (laughs) in the warehouse. And I think maybe there's some trauma from that. (laughs) Possible. (laughs) It's like like we don't really have a list per se, but, you know, if we go through every aisle, we'll realize what we do need. (laughs) Trauma speaking, yes. Um, I th- actually, I think that every big family, Josh and I are both from big families. I have five siblings. He has six sisters. And when you're a big family and you go to Sam's Club and it's like, if it's far away, it's like an all-day experience, oh, right? Yeah, all yeah you're shopping for at least two weeks, maybe a month worth oh, of yeah. food. So you're you're all day in this store, and I think that really does shape your view we of shopping. We ate samples for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this family that lives here now? <laughs> you laugh, but it's true. <laughs> but it's true. So, but knowing that, like, so Josh and I are currently away on a planning trip recording this, and we're also shopping for Christmas presents, and we went to Target to get stocking stuffers, and we knew exactly what we were getting because we had a list. And after we were done, I said, hey, we should go pick up the gifts for our company vendors. And he was like, well... I'm kind of feeling shopped out. Like I've used all my decisions for the day to shop. <laughs> I, and I was like, okay, well, well, what, what could we do to like rejuvenate your decisions <laughs> so that you have more decisions? And he was like, I need some coffee. So <laughs> we got coffee and then we went to a bookstore or maybe it was the reverse. I don't remember, but we went and we got what we needed. But sometimes I think for us it is, I love to shop. So like that's a common interest you could say, or an activity we do, but we do it in a way that, you know, has compassion on Josh's Mm. energy level. Yeah. Um, But if also like I had just like, was like 
okay, we can go. I may have been kind of a, a buzzkill. Right, so you communicated, in order for me to go and do this, I need caffeine <laughs> to do it. And then we're able to make that happen. I think maybe four or five years ago, you would have said, I'm done shopping or I don't, I don't want to. And mm, I don't think I would have said no, but I would have made it known that I didn't want to during the shopping trip. There. So <laughs> passive aggressive. That's what we would have done. Let's be honest. <laughs> so passive aggressive Josh would have gone along with it because he didn't want the conflict and then would have made it a miserable experience <laughs> is what you're saying. But yes. I think because we've grown in the communication department, we're able to say, okay, well, I, I will do this with you, but this is what I need in order to do it. Can we do that? Not that I'm addicted to caffeine, but... Sure, sure, sure. We won't We've been traveling. That. Sure. Uh, and I've counted how many cups of coffee you've had today. So, <laughs> um, when we do the leisure activities now, I think it is... We've really grown spiritually and relationally to the point where we can fulfill what Philippians 2 says, that it's more about common interests. And so, I mean, that shopping is one example, but you know, yeah, there are other things we do together that, you know, maybe are not entirely your jam or my mm -hmm. jam. And there are still things we do separately. Like you play D and D with your friends totally separately. I am not really interested in playing that, but you know, more power to him. I think there are like, there's something to be said for, spending time with friends that meet specific needs not that you're like using them to meet your needs but like you know you have a friend that you are able to just like talk with more like mm -hmm. a, a talking friend right <laughs> and, <A> talking friend. <laughs> yeah <laughs> one that's you know more in tune with like emotions and and so you're able to like kind of fulfill that need or talk about something with them that you just needed to talk and then there's a friend that it's like let's just veg out and play some games or right. something and so it's not all on your spouse right to like fulfill those to things. meet all those different spectrum of needs so like i have a friend who if i'm like hey i'm gonna go check some thrift stores i might say do you want to go yeah and she'll go with me because you know she likes to thrift she likes to thrift she'll come with me and josh doesn't have to do that even though i'd love to do that with josh we may do that once in a while or but not all the time right but not all the time or maybe like Josh and I, for a while, one thing we did up here in Petoskey, Michigan, winter lasts like nine months, no, six months, <laughs> but it's still pretty cold. And we, for a while, we would go on a, like every other week, we go on a date to a local restaurant or pub and we get like a corner booth and we'd bring Settlers of Catan and play mm -hmm. in yeah. the corner. And that was like a common thing that we enjoyed, yeah. that we both enjoyed, that was really relaxed and fun. And that was something we did regularly, but we weren't forcing each other to do every single thing that we each liked. And even over time, I'd say, too, we figured out, like, I love country music. And I can tell you the year that certain songs came out, because I know it that well. It's like you, a flashback for you. It is. You were more into, like, electronica and these weird, like, beats sounds yeah. and then there's the 90s emo playlist but, but <laughs> yes so we found music that we both liked which confession is 90s emo music like <laughs> green day and Good simple Charlotte. plan <laughs> <laughs> so you know i think some if you've been married you know six months a year and you didn't 
get married with a lot of common interests. There really is hope finding those things together. I think having kids actually helped us with that Yeah, a lot because we had less time. So we were more intentional and we found what we liked mm-hmm. and our kids are our like biggest common interests. We talk about parenting them. We talk about what we should change, what we could do better, you know, homeschooling yeah. them. We talk about that. Yeah. And then we right now also have the business as a common interest. So we have to set boundaries for that. But, you know, it is something that we like to kind of brainstorm about Mm -hmm. as ideas pop up. Yeah. So as time goes on and as seasons change, I think leisure activities and interests really can develop, even if you didn't have a ton of them at first. And I think we're just evidence that, yes, it can be really hard. But, you know, the culture says, unless you have all this chemistry and you have all of this, you know, commonality, it's not going to work. And the reality is, if you're living scripturally and putting the other person before yourself and putting their interests before yourself, it can work because Mm -hmm. you're taking an interest in something that maybe isn't every single thing you love, but because you love them, you're able to grow together and enjoy one another. Yeah, it's true. Okay, well, we are wrapping up episode 11 here, and we have only one more episode. Thank you for hanging with us for this season, you guys. And as usual, we've been mentioning this season that this whole series was part of the book launch of The Flirtation Experiment, which is my new book co-authored with Lisa Jacobson that talks about an actual experiment I did on Josh to bring more spark and mystery and fun to our marriage It gives you short, quick chapters. Each chapter is about five to seven minutes. There's 30 chapters, 15 from me and 15 from Lisa, who's been married 28 years, sharing what we did to bring some of that fun back to our marriages during some really difficult seasons. So you can grab it anywhere books are sold. It's actually in stock on the shelves at Barnes & Noble right now. My friend Michelle just sent me a picture pointing to the book on the shelf in Barnes & Noble, (laughs) which is super cool. So you can grab it in store or you can grab it online. It is number one in Christian marriage and holding its spot, which is so, so cool on Amazon. So thank you so much for buying the book. And we are starting our book club in mid-January. So if you want to join us for that, you can grab the book before January 15th. All right, we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Verity. You can connect with fellow listeners by following me on Instagram at Felicia Masonheimer or on our Facebook page by the same name. Also visit FeliciaMasonheimer.com for links to each episode and the show notes. 